Welcome to Sales Talk for CEOs. I'm glad you're here. I'll be interviewing CEOs who have successfully scaled their B2B sales organization. In each episode, I'll start by uncovering the sales background of each CEO, dig into the strategies they use to build their sales organization, and wrap it up with what the future holds. We'll cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of scaling a sales organization. I'm your host, Alice Hyman. Excited to be back for another episode with Patrick Parker. He is the CEO of SaaS Partners, and I have never before heard of a company who does what his company does. It's very exciting to me because as many of you know, um, entrepreneurs are near and dear to my heart. I am one myself um, and I've helped a lot of companies start up and get going. And that is exactly what Patrick and his team is doing. They are helping these startups get their products ready and launch and actually go sell. Welcome, Patrick. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Well, tell us a little bit more about what you are currently doing with your company and who you're helping. Sure. So at SaaS Partners, we are currently focused on helping uh, early stage entrepreneurs uh, build out their products, take them to market, uh, find their first customers, and then start building out their, their sales organizations. And how do you usually find these early stage companies and what kinds of things do they sell? They're everywhere. There's so many entrepreneurs, and there's there's been, you know, such an explosion uh, of people that are are exiting the workforce. Some are calling it the the great resignation, uh, but there's so many people that that have finally reached the point in their their careers or in their lives that they want to try something new. Uh, they've gotten burned out. They've gotten uh, you know mentally exhausted from the way that things have shifted during the pandemic. So they're trying to, to kind of take ownership of their own destiny, of their own uh, finances and things of that nature, and, and are starting out on that road to entrepreneurship. So we meet people uh, in all different types of ways. Um, a lot of, of people, especially early, uh, came to us through referrals. I mean, we didn't do uh, any marketing for the first uh, three years, and it was all referrals. And so we grew to, to many millions uh, in revenue just just through that, having a great network, building great products, uh, and then turning those customers into to raving fans. And our, our customers were really our first sales force, uh, which was amazing. But what we have done is, is we basically do two things. We help those early stage entrepreneurs build products. Uh, we help them take them to market. We give them a roadmap that will help them become successful in acquiring clients and, and starting to build. And then we also build a lot of products in-house. Uh, we, we look at underserved uh, market niches. We turn around and, and build software as a service products. And then we ultimately stand up new companies uh, under what we refer to as a studio model, where we launch new businesses all the time. So at this point, I've, I've got probably more than I should have, uh, but they're all growing at a, a great rate. And it's always a lot of fun to, to build them out, uh, especially since, you know, the the same task and activities and, and frameworks uh, really apply across. So we're able to do it very quickly, very successfully, uh, and with very little risk. Because all of the companies that you deal with do some type of software, correct? They do. They do. Started with software, even the ones that are, are physical products where we have actually built out and designed uh, several different physical products. There's an e-commerce component, but there's always some type of, of software element uh, that is involved within that project. 
And that's the name, of course, SaaS partners, right? That's so right. part of what they do is your software as a service, which I love. So I think that there are so many interesting things about what you're doing. And when we talked before the show, I just was fascinated with the mindset that you have around growing people. So I want to talk about that in just a minute and share that with everyone. But you have really uh, built something unusual. So I want you to take us back to before you had SaaS partners. And I know you've started several companies and spun some things off, but go back to when you were working for somebody else. Tell us what you were doing (laughs) and then how you got the idea. Okay, I'm going to be one of those entrepreneurs and strike out on my own. And I'm going to start this thing. I mean, I, I always knew from a very early age that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I grew up uh, as an athlete playing sports. Uh, team building was always a big emphasis uh, around that. And it's something that has, has easily translated over into my professional career. So even working for, for other companies as an employee before I struck out on my own, uh, I was still in management positions. I was still uh, working to learn everything that I could. But being able to retain people, to, to retain that knowledge, being able to help people progress in their career uh, and in their their expertise is something that's extremely rewarding for me, right? Because when you're doing that, when you strengthen the, the weakest team member, it makes the entire team stronger, right? And if you can extrapolate that across an entire sales organization, then you're going to end up with a really really well-oiled and well-functioning machine uh, that is ultimately going to help you drive revenues, right? And so when I struck out on my own, I, I had a a crazy journey. I had a, a bunch of failed ventures that I launched as side hustles uh, early on in my 20s, went to work for uh, about a decade uh, doing consulting, and then transitioned out of consulting over time. I, my first business, I stood up a... Uh, a staffing company, a technology staffing company. First year, did a million in sales as a solopreneur. Uh, wow. Never wanted to do that. There was nothing glamorous in that, right, for me. I uh, <laughs> loved, loved finding people, loved helping them find things that they were passionate about. Uh, but going forward from that, that really gave me the the capital that we needed to, to start our software development company. And to- see, I'm starting to see where you got this great passion and desire to lift people up and help them develop through your sports, through your talent business. I'm starting to see this pattern. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's always been about the people for me, right? I'm a, I'm a a people person. Um, but the biggest thing is, you know, over time, the relationships that you build are going to be far more important than the things that you build right? It's all about the journey, who you're building that with, uh, and then how ultimately you're influencing the people around you uh, and helping to lift them up. So, I mean, that's it. I mean, there's there's been a dozen times probably uh, over the last decade that I wanted to quit, and I probably could have walked away from those companies, but I could have never walked away from those people, right? And so that's why it's, it's so important for me uh, to always build from within uh, before we look out Uh, outside and and try to bring new folks in. So you left the talent firm. And is that when you started up your own thing? Or did you go to work for somebody else? 
No, I, I still run the talent firm. It's one of one of many businesses. So we still do staffing for a, a large number of, of companies. It's grown exponentially since then. Um, but that kind of just gave us the the capital that we needed to, to start launching all these other things, right? That led to software development. Software development led to, to software as a service companies, uh, led to us working with with clients for the first time, building all types of, of web and mobile applications. Um, and it's kind of all grown from there into marketing, sales, and, and you name it. So continuing to grow out of out of every end and, and every business, which is really exciting. And I think that's kind of what... Uh, what makes us different than, than a lot of other companies in terms of the way that we approach standing up and starting up uh, those new ventures and the way that we start building out those organizations, right? And, you know, everything starts with a product or a service. You've got to have something that you're, you're looking to sell. You've got to have a, a target audience that you're looking to connect with and solve a problem for. And then from that point on, it's all about building out the collaterals that you need from a marketing perspective to start driving those leads, right? And that's where you know we've gotten really good at replicating that process uh, across those different companies. And so for us, it's become more of a sales-driven uh, approach uh, from that point on to see, okay, how quickly can we build out uh, and scale out our sales organizations, right? And so I think that's where, you know, a lot, we, we had kind of touched on this briefly before. We're really big about promoting people from within, right? So very rarely do we go outside of our organization to hire a VP of sales for a new venture that we have. Usually we have groomed those people from the time that they were SDRs in some cases even, uh, very early in their journeys uh, into sales managers and then ultimately into directors and VPs, right? And so the reason that, that we prefer to do that is because what we had found before in starting out, and again, there's a, a lot of trial and error in startups, but we had a lot of people come to us with some really bad habits, right? And so we're extremely <laughs> right. confident in the way that we teach and, and groom uh, our sales uh, folks. And so being able to promote them and reward them uh, ultimately has been uh, key to retention, been key to keeping those high-performing talents uh, in-house, and then just maybe moving them around as they continue to grow and, and develop in their journey. So I want to stay on this um, growing people because I think it's so important. But I also want to point out that most CEOs have a lot of work just running one company <laughs> and, um, you know, sure. keeping all everything going and playing their important role in sales, which, you know, as you and I both know, that role that the CEO has in sales changes from um, startup to mature company, but that CEO always has a role. And I know that you play an important role in that as well. But you're not just juggling one company. You've got several companies that you're juggling. And it's a beautiful thing the way that you've put them together because they feed this passion that you have for helping people perform and grow. So I'm, I want to get to that in a second. But what I really love is that you look at each individual that works for you to see what their passions are and where their strengths are. And you start developing them 
to move in a certain direction. Now, VPs of sales are not easy to come by. And I've heard many, many CEOs complain about their VP of sales. And I had one CEO who had gone through, I don't know, maybe six VPs of sales and told me, you know, oh, they were all terrible and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hmm, let's see what the pattern here is. Maybe it wasn't them. Maybe it was you, right? So we know that um, as a CEO, we have to understand what the role is and how someone can be successful at and we have to support that success. So I want you to talk a little bit about how you look at the people who work for you, especially in sales, because, you know, this is sales talk for CEOs. Um, but, but especially in sales, how you look at these people and figure out what will be the best way to start to groom them and help them grow and help them learn and go in the direction that they want to, because you have really been successful at, at raising up great VPs of sales. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the biggest thing is, and you, you kind of touched on this, uh, a couple different ways, right? But, but the biggest thing is getting people that have certain characteristics, right? And, mm. and I mean that as personality traits, right? So when you look at introverts versus extroverts, there's certain characteristics there, not saying that one is better than the other, but one is more likely to perform better, right? So a lot of it has to do with kind of the innate uh, abilities that people bring uh, to the workplace with them, that they bring to the job. Everyone's going to have their own soft skills. A lot of what we focus on, especially early on, is developing those soft skills because the soft skills, believe it or not, are actually the hardest skills to learn for a lot of people. Well, I don't know. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you because um, I just really don't understand why people call them soft skills and hard skills. It's like skills. These are skills that we need for sales. And the soft skills are just as important as knowing the product. You can know the product inside and out, right, Patrick? And be oh, absolutely. terrible at building rapport and asking good questions and listening. And I don't care how well you know that product, you will get nowhere um, and also, I just want to touch on one of the things you mentioned about the introverts and extroverts. They'll be, yeah, both are great. Some will be better at some things than other. And if we're the manager who, who's raising up these people, we have to recognize every, it's good strengths here, good strengths there. Let's just leverage them properly. Don't try to have an extrovert doing something that is super uncomfortable for them and expect them to be successful at it. Give them the tools and the job that is going to make them successful, right? To a, to a point. I agree with that to a point. I, I think there are certain points in time in a, a progression, right, where regardless of, of introvert, extrovert, whatever those soft skills may look like, you need to still put them in situations that are outside of their comfort zone, in order for them well, to Well, you've got to stretch them so they grow, That's right. yes. That's right. And so a, a lot of what we do, like you said, it's, it's identifying people that have the ability to become high performers, um, coaching them, training them, moving them along, giving them responsibility. That's the biggest thing. So a lot of times we are really big on 
not just quotas, but stretch goals, right? So we want those people to perform and we highly incentivize surpassing those goals, right? Both from an individual and a team perspective. So I can't tell you in how many organizations where you, you've a member of a sales team and you've got people that are like, hey, three out of our seven team members hit quota last month and then you've got the other four that haven't. Right. And it's, it's just killing everything, right? So we're big on doing a combination of both and, and making sure that we have those incentives aligned both for individual performance and for team building. And so I, I think that's something that at a very kind of early stage uh, in the, the career progression for those people, they learn how to to go out and do it on their own, but they also learn how to be a contributing member to a team. They learn how to encourage and how to motivate those other people because they know that if they hit uh, those different goals, that the incentive is much better for them and for the team, right? So it, it kind of helps them to also mentor peers, right? So that they're bringing those people along as well. So we're really focused on growing people from every angle, right? It's it's growing within the right. team, identifying those people that are natural leaders up front, kind of fast tracking them to move forward, um, and then measuring performance and teaching them the the importance of how they measure metrics, how they hit their marks, uh, and then how they grow their skills, right? The, the thing that I find is the most successful people that we have outside of their nine to five, they're people that are just passionate about sales. They're people that want to continue that education, that want to learn. Um, and so we have some people that come with us that have been here for four or five years. They've progressed. Uh, you know, maybe they've gotten a few promotions over the years. Some of them may have made manager, but then we have some folks mm -hmm. that come in that have no prior experience and they're just hungry. They just want to learn and they're natural leaders, right? And so they take that training to heart. They take those lessons that they learn and they get better and better and better over time. And those people, some of them are running VP uh, of sales positions for some of the, the companies that we have. One of them uh, recently actually co-founded a, a new company with me. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for growth within our organization because we spend so much time, uh, resources and money developing our personnel. But not all of them are successful, Patrick. That's you right. give You give them the ground to be successful, right? You give them all of the tools and the coaching and the mentoring and the nurturing to be successful, but they aren't all successful. So I know there's a lot of people listening, CEOs and those who support CEOs that have failed at this. And I think it's because either they choose the wrong people to nurture up or, you know, they're, they don't know exactly what the traits are that they're looking for. So let's call it out for them specifically, Patrick. Let's talk about some of the traits that you look for that you know, okay, this person's got this, I think, or they've got these three or five things. So let's, you know, work on developing them and moving them up. Let's talk about some of those traits that tell you, yeah, this person is worth me spending the time to try and level them up. I'll start with the most important one, and it's, it's self-awareness. Right. It's something that can often be hard to identify in other people. But a lot of that we've spent a lot of time crafting the interview questions that we're going to ask so that we can try to understand and gauge how self-aware is this person. Right. Because if people are not self-aware of what their strengths and weaknesses are, it's going to be very difficult for them to break those habits 
and to build new ones, right? So that's the thing that, that we're most fo- focused on. It's almost better sometimes to have people that have zero experience with sales, but the right traits so that you can build those habits the right way and so that you can train them uh, to, to be successful and to, to, to go out and, and complete the activities that they need to, right? Uh, versus having someone that has been doing it for several years, but possibly learned the wrong way. So I always start with self-awareness, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, right? Okay. So this is important because it is hard to figure out whether someone is self-aware or not. Give us an example of one way, one question, or just one of the things that you do to figure out whether somebody is self-aware. Sure. We've, we've got a, a line of question that we ask, right? And these are not uh, job questions. These are not performance-based questions. These are, are more personality questions, right? So you look at things like Myers-Briggs and some of that stuff that you can do in pre-interview screening that gives you a really good idea of the person's personality type, right? And then going through that, you can start asking questions along the lines of, you know, what are your biggest weaknesses, most people tend to say a weakness that is not really a weakness, right? They want to frame it for an interview. Well, my, my weakness is that I, I work too hard and sometimes I don't know when to quit. Okay. Is that really a weakness or can you drill down into that and get examples of those things to actually uncover, you know, what they may have a problem with, right? So you might say, well, give me an example of you know, when you work too much or what's driving you to work too much. So those specific examples help you know whether they're self-aware or not, know what's driving their behavior. Exactly. And and you can't have, you can't go about interviewing candidates in a linear approach, right? You can't just go through and check boxes and say, okay, you got this, you got this, you got this. You have to really dive down and understand who that person is and what motivates that person, right? As long as I know what motivates someone, which I'm really good at figuring out at this point, um, I can make that person successful, right? I can help build that person. I can help train that person. I can coach that person up and we can go really far. When someone is, is not self-aware and doesn't understand what really motivates them, it's very difficult to move that person along and help them progress in their career, right? Okay. So that's a key. Let's just pause there, Patrick. That is so important. And I think so many leaders neglect to ask the people who work with them what motivates them, right? And if you don't know that, how are you going to develop people, right? So here I've, you know, I'm a, I'm a sales leader and I want to move up to VP of sales and I've got all these salespeople below me and I'm, I should be looking to see, you know, not expecting to hire from the outside. We might, but I should be looking at the people who already work here, who are dedicated, who, who care about our company and already know our products and services and figure out which of them I can start to develop into someone who can be a sales leader, right? But how on earth could I do that if I don't even know what motivates them, right? It sounds like, oh, well, you know, why should I know that? Like, they should be self-motivated, intrinsic motivation. Well, we all know that most people just don't, that's just not, it's such a shallow view. People are complex, right? So, how do you find out, you know, you've got all these people that you're now grooming. How do you look at them and find out what motivates them? Oh, absolutely. And a lot of it's just through conversation, right? Um, I'm very good at, at building relationships one-on-one with all of my people. I go out of my way to go above and beyond to make sure that I, I know who they are 
as people. I know their families. I know their kids. I know their birthdays. I know all the the important things. Uh, and you're that the you CEO running a, a three companies, and you're still doing that. Yeah. Sure, sure, but it, it's it's important, right? Because it's it's all about the people uh, for me, and so yeah. you know, literally, a lot of people will tell you if you just ask them. Right, what their aspirations yeah. are. Hey, do you want to? Do you have any interest in this? And then you can tell some people. You may think, okay, well, this this person's a really high performer. They would make a good sales manager. Well, if you just have a conversation with that person, you may find out they have zero interest in actually interest, managing right. people, right? Yeah. Or they don't have the soft skill set to actually manage people, right? So it, it changes when you go from being a member of a team to leading a team. To becoming a director or a VP and leading an entire business unit, right? Multiple teams at different levels. It's it's challenging a lot of times to make that shift. And so really focusing on who those people are. And that's that's why I spend so much time with my people, is because I want to know what their their skill sets are. I want to know what their interests are. I want to know who I can look at grooming for that next opportunity. Right? Yeah. And versus, and it's always better in my mind to do it like, like that. And the way that the reason that we do it like that is because if I go outside of my organization, I'm introducing a lot more risk into our right. environment, right? So we have built something that is extremely successful across, we've got seven companies right now that we're running like this. If I bring someone from outside and I've done it and I've, I've had mixed results, which is why I really focus on building people now. Um, Doing it inside, I just know that I know the habits, I know the work ethic, I know uh, the processes, I know their intellect and how well they understand the processes and why we do it. Uh, and then the relationship and the rapport and everything else is already there as well, right? So it becomes very easy yeah. to plug and play people across uh, those different businesses and not miss a, a beat, right? They've already right. been through those startup activities. They already know what it looks like. They've, they've worked through the process of scale and, and growth. Um, and so it's, it's just a lot easier, right? So if they're self-aware and you can, you know, figure that out by really asking good questions, and then if they're motivated to help others and lift others up, right? Those are two things that will help them become a great manager of people. What are some of the other things you're looking for? Well, I, I think a hunger to learn is is definitely a big mm-hmm. thing. So you've got yes. you've got internal and external motivation, right? Um, that drives everybody. So I think that's a big one. And, and you hit that on the head in terms of being able to build up other people, being able to coach, being able to mentor, being able to pick someone up when they, they've had a bad day, right? Someone hasn't hit quota for a month or for a quarter, being able to say, hey, how, how can I jump in and help, right? Um, so we always love people that that kind of have that mentality where it's a, a team first, it's a team effort. Um, and then kind of working through that, I, I love people that just are hungry to learn, right? We have so many people that, you know, we have some incredible conversations, things that we don't teach here because a lot of our sales team and sales organizations across these companies are so focused on learning, on continuing education, on the trends, on consumer behavior, um, and really studying the psychology behind a lot of it that's ultimately going to make them more successful. And so I, I really look at the patterns there, right? The trends within those actual people, the conversations that are taking place, you know, uh, uh, around the uh, the kitchen here, around the, the water cooler, things like that, and just understanding, okay, 
there's some really good conversations going on. These people, you can tell, have been spending the time, putting in the, the extra hours to, to go above and beyond and to learn new skills, right? Um, and so that's the point in time where it's like, okay, it's, it, it becomes you know, pretty evident that these people are, are ready to promote or ready to move forward and to, to handle more responsibility. And then it's just a matter of matching them up with those opportunities. So important. And it's something that it's a little pet peeve of mine, Patrick, when I see salespeople waiting around for their company to teach them what they need to know. Like, why are you waiting around for anybody to teach you anything? Like you are a human with a brain that is thinking. And if you don't know how to do something, you go out and watch a video, uh, listen to a podcast, <laughs> read a book, find a mentor, ask someone to teach you, but you don't sit around waiting, right? And I see this so many times in organizations, Patrick, it's the complacency of people just doing their job every day and never looking at how they do their job, why they do it that way. Is there a better way? What else could I learn? What could I bring into my world that would help me be better at this, right? It's crazy to me that people will just sit and wait. And I think that's why it's so important when you see that trait, you know, this person is telling me about the book they just read that was so great. They're, you know, giving it to their buddies and they're saying, oh my gosh, have you, do you ever listen to this podcast? You should listen to it. I'll, I'll shoot it to you so you can listen. They're the ones who are coming forward with great stuff. Like I listened to this the other day or I went and saw this person speak and I learned these things. And they're genuinely and excited about it. Yeah, they're exuding it, right? They just, and it's like, we have to though, I think, I mean, it's it's so important, but we have to build a cu culture that encourages it because I think our our school systems do a disjustice, dis is that a, is that a word? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But um, you know, you have kids in school. Like we teach our kids to still, after you know, hundreds of years, sit in your seat and listen. Right. Don't don't go off on a tangent or on a different topic because I'm on this topic right now. And so I don't think we're doing them any good by not helping them be learners and passionate and wanting to dig in and learn more. Um, you know, and then in college, it's the same thing, like be quiet and listen to the lecture. Right. So that is one kind of learning. But then I think people get out of school. Uh, whatever level of, you know, they've gone to, they get out of school and they get into their job and they think, well, I'm done learning now because I went to school, right? And nobody ever taught them to have that thirst for learning or to want to really. And some people have it innately and others, I think, Patrick, they just need a nudge. And so it sounds like you've built a culture where people see that this is applauded and rewarded when you are out there learning things, right? It is a hundred percent. Um, and it's, it's so the curiosity, right. That goes into it. It's like, curiosity. you, you see the curiosity in, in your people and you see them thirst for more. And it's like, why do things work the way that they do? And, and to have the ability to break those things down and then to have a big, a big focus around knowledge transfer, knowledge yeah. sharing, right. Sharing what works, sharing best practices, things of that nature that, you know, are maybe not uh, taught in the training, 
but mm-hmm. that are learned from experience, right? Yeah. These are the things that I have done throughout my career to become really successful in sales, right? Being able to right. pass that down, right. being able to, to share those tips and tricks and, and how to sell any different type of product, right? Because salespeople can also have a tendency to be really good at selling into one niche, one industry, everything operates differently, right? So being able to, to have the soft skills to understand your audience, being able to research that consumer behavior and kind of transition. But yeah, go, going back to uh, the culture, I mean, it's, it's, it's critical, right? And that's something that I see in a lot of other sales organizations that, that I look at and a lot of the, the other sales organizations that we actually help and consult with. There's a, a big lack of communication and a big lack of incentivization, right? And so those two things together, you know, I, I've recently, recently had a conversation with, uh, with someone at another pretty good sized firm, uh, out of Nashville and, um, they were struggling, you know, they, they'd had some great early success. Uh, they grew it to, I think they're at a little bit over 15 million, uh, in annual recurring revenue. So good, good size firm. Uh, but they've been stagnant. They have not added anything, uh, anything substantial in the last couple of years. And the, the problem that, that they're having is that the salespeople, the incentives haven't changed. The comp plan hasn't changed, hasn't been revisited in, in years. Uh, but they're not communicating the goals down to those salespeople and they're not being transparent about the revenue numbers and everything else that they need to, to actually motivate people and let them know where they are. Right. So what we ended up doing was going in and implementing some software and some other uh, controls in place to help them have a better level of visibility. Uh, and, and I don't just mean within the leadership, I mean the entire team, right? If you're looking at it and taking a, a team approach to sales, then you've got to enable your sales teams with the tools and with the information that they need to understand how they're stacking up, right? Reviewing things at the end of the month isn't good enough, right? Oh gosh. It oh, used to please. Be. It's like, it's too late. Like, what are you doing? Why did it's you dynamic. wait? You know? It's too dynamic nowadays. So, so literally a lot of what we do for sales organizations now is build out real-time dashboards where they can see deal flow. They can see revenue being generated. They can see all these different metrics. Um, and so a lot of it is just enablement tools, helping them become more successful. Right. And so you find out at some of these organizations that they're not saying, Hey, you've got a personal quota, but how does that contribute to the bigger plan? Right. Once you start understanding the bigger plan, once you have a clear path to promotion, once you have individual as well as group, uh, incentives, it's a lot easier to motivate yourself. And then when you talk about multiplying that across entire sales teams and sales organizations, that's when you're able to, to, to increase that throughput, improve performance, and ultimately continue driving uh, revenues. And so I just look at, at some other CEOs and, and leaders of sales organizations, and, and I just don't understand why they would want to withhold some of that information. You know what I mean? Um, at the end of the day, if you want people to... Right, you can't analyze data you don't have. How can you figure out what's going on when you don't have data? 
Exactly. So if you want people to march in a certain direction, right, you want them to move towards that goal, you've got to give them the roadmap, you've got to give them the tools, you've got to give them the GPS to get there, right? And so that's that's the way that I look at it. So taking a, a data-driven approach, because there's so many sales organizations that are, are still not looking at the data and understanding uh, how they can improve based on. You can't, yeah. you can't market what you can't measure. You also can't sell what you can't measure, right? It's the, That's right. the same, same principle applies. All right. Well, just going back for a minute, because that data stuff is important. We want to talk about that. Of course, we're going to run out of time. So I'm going to have to have you back on the show because I want to talk about data. But I want to go back to these indicators that CEOs and sales leaders can look for to know whether that person can level up. Because we do admit most of our companies have many salespeople who could be great at becoming the sales manager. And then out of those sales managers, great at becoming a VP of sales. And then, then some of those can become a CRO someday, right? And what we want to do is grow them up instead of letting them rise to their level of incompetence. We want to grow them up to be extremely competent and working in their zone of excellence and even working in that zone of genius, um, as Gay Hendricks says in his book, The Big Leap, which I just love. We won't get into that right now. But when we have people working at that level in our organizations, right, like our job is so easy as a CEO. And I think we just don't spend enough time developing our people. But just to recap, you you know, you first said, you know, listen, these people that we're going to move up into this organization – and move over into other organizations and then maybe even launch to go out to do their own thing, as you mentioned, um, they're, they're going to be self-aware. Um, they're going to be motivated to help others. They're going to be curious and always learning and have that passion for learning. And then you said some other things that make me think that you're also looking for people who are agile, right? Because things are always changing. And I think looking for people who are agile and not rigid, or as Carol Dweck would say, they have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So talk a little bit about how you're looking for those traits of agility and, and growth mindset in the people that you are developing. Absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's one of the trickier parts, right? Because in order to do that, you have to actually spend time with those employees, right? <laughs> yes, and not yes. just a, hey, let me let me pull up this report and see have they hit or exceeded quota, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna glean any of that insight from a piece of paper, right? Or from a, a report online. Uh, you're gonna have to actually understand who those people are, and you're gonna have to develop them. And so that, that's the whole thing. It's getting the right people, the right training at the right time, right, is paramount, especially starting out, making sure that they understand your processes, right? And so a lot of times that's going to be forgetting some of the stuff they may have learned elsewhere because, again, people come to us with a lot of bad habits sometimes. Um, but then you can also look at hardline metrics too, right? Is this person just barely making quota? Is this person exceeding quota? You know, what does their win rate look like, right? What are those close rates? So you can start diving into the data around that as well. And I think together that gives a, a really sound picture of how that person is performing, number one. But because you have that personal engagement as well, you really understand what motivates that person, right? Because the, the worst thing that you can do within an organization is spend a ton of time developing someone that doesn't want to move forward, right? right? That right, doesn't right. want to progress the level up. Time. Yeah. And, and so, you know, making sure that you're focusing 
the right resources on the right people, you know, that, that I think is probably where we have been most successful. So critical. And when you dive into that data with them, you know, why they're winning, why they're losing, why they're at quota, why they aren't at quota. What I find is that's how I learn whether they have a growth mindset or not because of the answers they give me. Always about comes why. back to habits. Right? right. So if they start, com- you know, oh, well, I didn't do it because, right. Oh, that's a fixed mindset. You know, or, well, I was able to do it because I tried something new. Oh, that's a growth mindset, right? Like when you hear them tell you how they did it or or why they didn't manage to do it, that's when we start to hear whether they have that growth mindset or not. And then that agility piece comes in when, you know, you start to talk with them about the data and dig into it with them. And then they, they come up with, well, you know, it, what I'm seeing is that it used to be this way, but it's not that way anymore. And I'm going to have to try something new or change again, can only do that. If I have a growth mindset, I can be agile. If I have a growth mindset and I can say, what if we did it this way, Patrick, what do you think? Would that work? Right. And that's, that's it. I mean, don't, don't give me excuses, right? Give me an explanation. Give me solutions. Give me ways that we can improve. And so when you're looking at a process, you know, as a, a sales rep, as a VP of sales, as someone else, understand that the operating environment, consumer behavior, all these other external factors are continually evolving and advancing, right? And so what worked last year may not work this year. You may need a different approach, right? But you need those people to provide that feedback. And so what I've found is that a lot of the, the, our, our sales reps, a lot of our sales managers, directors, all the way up, the way that they get promoted, they're very outspoken about what they're seeing in the market as those conditions are evolving, and then offering solutions on how we can look at testing, how we can look at adapting uh, to ultimately move forward, right? And to get back on track where we, where we were, and then to explode past that in order to continue growing. Yeah, love it because they're sharing their ideas and their opinions to help make things better always versus just complaining. I mean, there's another sign, everybody. And, you know, and that's people are complaining. I think mm-hmm. that's that's the big thing because once you've moved people to that point, they're invested. They have yes. ownership, and that's what you want. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful way to end this. I've got to, I know you've got a hard stop and I've got to get you off to your next meeting, but um, I definitely am going to bring you back on the show because we're going to want to talk about a lot of things. But um, as a CEO who is obviously so involved in the sales process and so involved in developing your people, I know you're growing and will continue. Um, I hope that people will find you on LinkedIn and connect and tell, uh, tell them, tell you that they, heard you here on my show because that would be wonderful and any last words for the ceos out there who are thinking wow i really want to start developing my people what should i do next have the hard conversations first i mean that's that's it uh get to know people understand who they are as people set aside time and be intentional in it that's the the best advice that i can give is just to be intentional with building relationships I love that. Thank you, Patrick, so much for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure. Have a terrific day. Absolutely. Thanks, Alice. Great to be here. Thanks for tuning in to Sales Talk for CEOs. You can find me at alicehyman.com. Be sure and connect with me on LinkedIn. 
and let me know that you heard the show. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, write a review, and share the show with another CEO.